This is the Poison Terminator podcast. My name is Carlo Diolem. Now that winter is around the corner, we will be spending more time indoors. So I thought it would be relevant to talk about indoor air quality today. In order to know more about this topic, I've invited an expert on this matter, Dr. Miriam Diamond. Dr. Diamond is a professor in the Department of Earth Sciences. She's cross-appointed to the Department of Chemical Engineering and Applied Chemistry, the Dalalana School of Public Health, School of the Environment, and the Department of Physical and Environmental Sciences at University of Toronto Scarborough. Welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Diamond. Thank you very much. Dr. Diamond, you've done numerous studies where levels of chemicals were measured indoors. Uh, what kind of harmful chemicals have you detected in your studies? Our work has focused on flame retardants and on plasticizers indoors. How are these chemicals emitted? The chemicals are emitted sometimes intentionally and most often unintentionally. We emit chemicals like Um, related to fragrances intentionally. So anything that has a fragrance will have chemicals that serve as what are called keepers or to, to maintain the fragrance. The particular chemicals of interest for my lab are phthalate esters. We can emit them intentionally when we use scented products such as scented candles, shampoos, or other scented personal care products. Most of the chemicals we look at are emitted unintentionally. Phthalates are a very large group of chemicals. Their greatest use is um, increase the flexibility of a rigid plastic such as polyvinyl chloride. So PVC plastic completely rigid unless a plasticizer is added to it. Phthalate esters have been commonly used as those plasticizers. The plasticizers are not chemically bonded to the vinyl and to other uh, polymers. As such, that material, that, that plasticizer, leaks out over time. Many people recognize this even though they didn't think they did, by looking at an old vinyl product, such as an old vinyl binder, or any, anything that's old where the edges are cracking. The cracking indicates the loss of the plasticizer with the rigid polymer left behind. What are the effects of these substances upon us? Some of the phthalate ester plasticizers have been found to cause male reproductive toxicity. Some of those effects include malformation of the testes. Um, we're also finding uh, effects that um, appear to be related to childhood asthma of a few of those phthalate esters, particularly the ones that are used in vinyl flooring, also vinyl wallpaper. So 
vinyl building materials, which are very common, particularly in lower cost housing, could be related to childhood asthma. But it's important to note that these adverse effects, for example, on the male reproductive system, appear to be as a result of exposure of the fetus to elevated levels of these phthalates, not little kids. The Canadian regulations do not necessarily, or they're not directed at protecting women of childbearing years. Which steps can we take to reduce the presence of these chemicals indoors? I would take the steps of just having less stuff around. Uh, just fewer electro um, I, I didn't mention the other group of chemicals we're looking at, which are um, flame retardants. And so flame retardants are added to upholstered furniture, especially upholstered furniture manufactured before 2013, electronic products, uh, carpets. You know, in general, what, what I do is I vote for governments that are that take an interest in chemical management. We're not going to solve the problem just individually. This is a, a problem that needs to be solved for all Canadians, regardless of how much money you earn, how many kids you have, and what your circumstances. So that's the first thing I do. The second thing I do is I make my, I make my voice heard. Consumer pressure is really important in moving the marketplace. And the marketplace is moving faster than government regulation. The third thing I do is just not have so much stuff. This podcast is being, or this interview is being recorded just after Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which are so-called holidays to our consumer society. Well, The consumer society does not benefit our health. It doesn't benefit our health in a very direct way in terms of all the products we bring into our house, which release a wide range of chemicals. It also doesn't, it also jeopardizes our health because it's so totally unsustainable. But that's not the topic of this podcast sustainability writ large, including climate change. So I won't go off into that direction. But those are the steps that I take. Are there ways to m monitor indoor air quality? Indoor air quality can be monitored, but when we talk about indoor air quality, we usually refer to noxious gases, carbon monoxide super important to monitor because it's deadly. That's why everybody should have a carbon monoxide monitor. We have smoke detectors to detect fine particles. And that's so important in saving lives to have a smoke detector. The other chemicals can cause irritations, can cause these other adverse effects. You know, I talked about some of the phthalates being related to asthma. We typically do not monitor those chemicals broadly. Only formaldehyde has um, 
a Canadian guideline for indoors so that there's some regulatory trigger, a reason to monitor formaldehyde, which causes, um, for example, eye irritation and cause nausea at higher levels. These other chemicals, well, that's why we do the research. And that's why we take the research to the people in the Canadian Chemical Management Plan. Not all, we cannot monitor everybody's house. It's expensive and it's impractical. That's why we take societal measures. And does opening a window help improve uh, indoor air? It does, but it depends where your window is located. So if your window happens to be located immediately beside a very busy highway with lots of truck traffic, then when you open your window, you get more diesel particles and, and vehicle exhaust. That is not good for your health. If you live even 500 meters away from a very busy roadway, then opening your window does make sense. It, it will improve air quality. But it's not just air quality. It's also the dust on our floor. The dust accumulates chemicals, like the phthalates and flame retardants that I spoke of. So I do clean my house. I do make sure I don't have dust bunnies on the floor. You don't want your kids picking up a lot of dust because of the chemicals it contains in it. How often and how long should we leave the windows open? Well, that entirely depends on your house, and it also depends on the outside temperature. So I could hardly say that we should be leaving our windows open when it's very cold out in the wintertime. That would just lead to more greenhouse gases and more climate change. But that's not a responsible thing to do. In general, in the summer, yes, open your windows when you can, if you're not right beside a, a highway. There is a NASA study and uh, several online articles that report that potted plants can reduce uh, chemical emissions indoors. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm, I like potted plants. They're green, and we know that having greenery around you provides a health benefit. Humans evolve to look at green, and green makes us feel good. So that's why I like potted plants. Potted plants are not a solution for the chemicals that I've been talking But uh, does it reduce the levels of chemicals? Well, you have to be specific about which chemicals. Oh, well, let's say uh, VOCs. Uh, I think the answer to that lies um, according to whether you fill your house with plants so that you're living in something like a greenhouse in which it might do, but most of us don't live with so many potted plants. So um, that is not something, there, there is not definitive research to show that potted plants reduce concentrations of VOC. And it depends on the ratio, how many potted plants you have. If you're living right beside a green wall, yes, right beside the green wall, you will have lower levels of VOC. But most of us don't have green walls in our, in our homes. And what got you started to do research on indoor air quality? Pardon me? What got oh, you... Why, oh, why was I interested? 
Yeah, why, what yes. made you started to do research on this topic? Yes, that's a, a great question. I started my career looking at chemical contaminants in lakes, including uh, Arctic systems. When I had my kids, I couldn't do field work anymore. It was hard for me to go to the Arctic or to have projects that required me to be away from my kids. The first thing I did was to look at contaminants in urban areas because I live in an urban area. My kids were playing in the sandbox. I wondered what they were exposed to by playing in the urban sandbox. And then I turned my attention to indoors. Canadians spend over 90% of their time indoors. So if we're, the indoor environment is a important place to look for human exposure through air, through dust, through other exposure routes. So my research is very much informed by being a mother, by being observant, just being a human being that cares that cares about the environment. Do you think there are any more things that should be done in the field of uh, indoor air quality to further advance the technical innovations? There are so many things that need to be done. In terms of environmental quality, we spend a tremendous amount of money looking at outdoor air pollution. There's no question that, that, we have, that research shows a strong link between outdoor air pollution and a whole range of health effects, including asthma, including heart attacks, including uh, heart disease and so on. And one of the reasons why so much money is spent on that is not just because of the science that shows this relationship, but also because our government has outdoor air quality standards that are that should be enforceable. As I mentioned earlier, we don't have indoor enforceable air quality standards other than for formaldehyde as a VOC. So there's very, there's, there's very little done on indoor air quality. I'm most concerned about people living in remote locations, about people living in poor quality housing. And As we know, as Canadians, um, affordable housing is a huge and important issue. It's not just affordable housing, it's affordable and safe housing. Low quality housing with poor indoor air quality and with pests, such as cockroaches and mice and rats, that's really a problem. Not only are the mice and the rats a problem and the cockroaches, but also the pesticides that are used to remove them. We have almost no data, for example, on indoor pesticide use in Canada. There's a lot to be done, especially for low-income housing. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Diamond, for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Diamond is a professor in the Department of Earth Sciences. 
She's cross-appointed to the Department of Chemical Engineering and Applied Chemistry, the Dalalana School of Public Health, School of the Environment, and the Department of Physical and Environmental Sciences at University of Toronto Scarborough. That's all for today. I'm the Poison Terminator. If you have any comments or suggestions, please contact us at tptpodcasts at mail.com. That's tptpodcasts at mail.com. Until next time, I'll be back soon with another episode. Have a great day.